0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. I want to thank you all for being here today, especially our guests who are with us. It's good to be back with you. I missed you last week as I was on the mission trip down to Haiti. We had an amazing time. Just want to thank you for your prayers and support. Uh, We saw a lot of things that broke our hearts, while we also saw some things that brought us a great deal of hope and One of those was scouting out sites that we're going to be able to bring clean water to in Haiti using the money that we raised a couple of Christmases ago. And so I just want to thank you uh, on behalf of the Haitian uh, villages that we went to visit. Uh, We're making a difference. We're bringing life uh, to some villages uh, so they can have clean water and have a healthier life. And so that is huge. And we couldn't have done that without you. We have many stories to share. We'll be doing that over the next few weeks. All those who are on the on our trip, check out uh, some, you can go to my Facebook page, some other folks' Facebook pages, there are all links in there. But again, we couldn't have done it without you and it was truly life transforming and we appreciate your love and support and prayers. Uh, grateful to my friend, uh, Pastor Jonathan, last week for delivering a good word from God. It was a hard word and he did a great job with that and so I- I'm appreciative to him Excited to be here today as we continue in this uh, series, Guarded getting vulnerable with God, and it's taking place during the Christian season of Lent. That is the six-week period that leads up to Easter Sunday, which will be here in a couple of weeks. Uh, And Lent is a time to do some soul-searching, some introspection, to ask ourselves questions like, how is it between me and God? How is it with my soul? What does my spiritual life look like? And we've been taking some time to to spend in some one-word practices, uh, just one-word focus each week to bring us closer to God. And we're going to continue doing that today. Uh, and I'm excited that you're here to be a part of that discussion. Uh, you know, sometimes in our lives, I think uh, if you're like me, we'd love to hear directly from God. We'd like to be like Moses and have the burning bush catch on fire and speak to us. And hopefully we wouldn't think we were crazy, but think that was God. Or we'd like to, for God to you know speak in some booming audible voice to us, maybe when we're at home in our room praying or, Or maybe just, you know, we turn to scripture one day and and we read it and we know it's just exactly for us. And there are those moments. And and I think there are also moments of of dry spells where we'd love to hear from God, but we just can't seem to. We pray and pray and pray and, and and we don't hear anything back from God, at least not in a way that we can understand that God's speaking to us. And I think also that there are times where God is speaking to us very clearly. And we know that God's calling us to do something. God's calling us to listen. God's asking us to do something. God's simply waiting for us to say the word yes. But for some reason, we are hesitant to do that. A few years ago, I was listening to a podcast from another pastor who was talking about how Christians hear from God. and he said that, you know, there are those dry spells, but he said there are times when we, we really do hear from God. And he said that he thinks more of us hear from God uh, than we want to admit, because sometimes we hear from God and God asks us to do something that takes us out of our comfort zone. God asks us to do something that we don't want to do. God asks us to do something and it takes being bold to do that. And so sometimes we know God is calling us to do something in our life, but we choose to ignore it. We choose not to say yes, but maybe to say no by default. Maybe not out loud to God, but by our actions. And, and sometimes it's just too much for us to handle. God might be calling us to, to take a big step, to maybe look at a, a change in our career, or maybe a change in location to move our family somewhere. Maybe God's calling us to have a difficult conversation with someone that we've put off or maybe it's it's more simple than that maybe it's being nice to a, a mean neighbor or being kind to someone at school that's that's not kind to us and so a question i have for you today right now brothers and sisters is what is god asking you to say yes to right now in your life what is god asking you to say yes to right now in your life. And it might not be an audible thing from God. Maybe it's a message God sent through another person. Maybe it's through scripture. Maybe it's just a feeling in your heart that you know that there's something you're supposed to be doing right now. And yet you're deciding to say no. You know, and I understand how it can be when God gets a hold of me or our church. You know, sometimes God asks us to do these crazy things like tear down your 50 year old building or, you know, change the name of the church or or move out of your building and tear it down and come and worship in a mobile movie theater where it's kind of challenging to set up and take down each week. So God can ask us to do some really crazy things right? Or, or as we found out from our church-wide communication this week, Pastor Nancy has announced that she believes God is calling her to retire this June as uh, the time when Methodist pastors make shifts in their their church appointments. and And I know how much Pastor Nancy and Bill wrestled with this because they love God and they love serving and they love the ministry and vision of our church. And Pastor Nancy's been with us for 14 years and and yet she just kept saying, Kyle, I just believe God's saying this is a time for me and my family to make this transition to a new chapter in my life. And so, you know, sometimes when we know what God wants us to do, it can be challenging. So what is it, brothers and sisters, God's asking you to do right now, asking for your yes. And can we really afford to tell God no? Can we really afford to tell God no? What will we miss out on? if we reject God. So I want to keep that in the back of our minds and I want to dive into scripture because there's a lot of good stuff in the Bible about people who were faced with saying yes to God and really struggled with that. And so it's not just us, it's not just you and me. And I want to look at the life of the disciple of Jesus, Peter. He was one of the 12 disciples. Jesus called him early on and said, Peter, I want you to leave your job fishing, leave your family, come and follow me. And instead of fishing for uh, for fish, you're going to fish for people. And He became one of the 12 disciples. He did all kinds of cool things. God gave him special revelation when Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am and who do you say that I am? Peter said, Jesus, you're the Messiah, right? You're the anointed one. You're the chosen one. He had a special revelation from God. And so sometimes Peter got it really right. And sometimes he got it wrong as as like, he was like the de facto leader of the disciples and one time Jesus was talking about how he was going to have to die one day, and, and Peter was bothered by this. He's like, no, Lord, anything but that. And, you know, Jesus turned on him and said, Satan, get behind me, right? I mean, that's not the reaction that, that I would want from Jesus. I just want you to live, man, and you're calling me the devil? What's going on, right? And so so sometimes Peter misunderstood, and he got it wrong. Well, today we're going to be uh, in the story of Peter, and it's actually going to happen uh, a couple of weeks from now, uh, in Holy Week. Uh, Peter's going to be with Jesus and the other 12 disciples. They're going to be uh, with Jesus for the last time. And they're going to have the last supper. And Jesus is going to take the bread and break it and the wine and, and give it to them and say, this is my body and blood, which is given for you. And it's this very special moment. And, and he's alluding to that. He's getting ready to be killed. And so again, Peter has an issue with this. He's like, Lord, if they come for you, they got to come through us. Right. If you die, I'm going to die. You know, we're going to go down fighting and you know, no way I'm going to let this happen. And and Jesus said, Peter, man, I appreciate the support. I appreciate the love and the encouragement. He says, but before the dawn breaks of tomorrow, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. No way, Jesus. There's no way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And of course, Jesus goes out to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. They come and to arrest him, and Peter sticks to his word. He pulls out a sword, and he starts to fight for Jesus, and he cuts off the ear of one of the of the people who came to arrest Jesus, and, and Jesus stops him, and, and he says, put the sword down. He heals the man's ear, and, and Jesus lets them arrest him and, and walk away, and the disciples flee, and they're running for their lives, and they're scared, but Peter kind of walks and follows at a distance, and so they take Jesus to the high priest's home, and There, Peter comes into the courtyard there, and he sees Jesus being questioned. They see him getting roughed up a little bit, and and he tries to blend in to be inconspicuous with the crowd. There's a barrel there, and they're burning a charcoal fire, and I guess people are standing around it to stay warm. And so Peter goes over there, and and he stays warm. And and sure enough, before the, the, the next day dawns, right when the rooster crows, Peter has denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. They say, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? Oh, no, 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 it's not me. You you sure? You're from Galilee. You sound like like a follower of Jesus. No. And, And so Peter absolutely does what Jesus foretold him to do. He says, I don't know this man. And so he denies Christ. So then Jesus, of course, is executed. On the third day, he rises from the dead. And he begins to appear to the disciples. And that's where we're going to pick up our story today in the Bible. We're going to be in the Gospel of John. A gospel means the good news of Jesus. It talks about the life, uh, uh, death, and resurrection of Christ. And it's written by eyewitnesses. And so this gospel is written by a man named John who was one of the other 12 disciples. And so he's talking about uh, after Jesus has been resurrected how he comes into contact with Peter. And so we're going to pick up that story, and it's really powerful. So let's check this out. John 21, beginning with verse 1. And afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So is, you know, Peter dejected? Is, is he going back to his old career now that, you know, all this has happened with Jesus? Is he going to forget about fishing for people going back to fishing for fish or is, you know, he just kind of in a crazy place and wanting some stability and comfort in his life going back to what he knows and fishing. And so he and some of the disciples, they go out and they fish and they don't catch anything. And so they're up all night. And so, Maybe that kind of reminds them of being up all night with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's all really fresh in their brains. And so we continue the story. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So he called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved... That's John writing about himself. He's a really humble guy here. (laughs) The (laughs) disciple whom Jesus loved. Hey, that's me. Uh, Said to Peter, It's the Lord, right? Again, I know who it is. You guys don't know what you're talking about. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore. About 100 yards, right? So they're early in the morning, right? The crack of dawn, maybe Peter's remembering back to the cock crowing and how he blew it with Jesus. And now Jesus is here, so he can't wait, right, to see Jesus. So he dives in, he goes to see Jesus. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it. Another translation says it's a charcoal fire. So it's the same smell, the same kind of fire that was in the, in the high priest's courtyard that Peter had been a part of. And so I'm sure that's bringing back a lot of memories for Peter, right? All these mixed emotions going on in his brain right now. There with fish on it and some bread. So Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 But even with so many, the net was not torn. So Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So Jesus came and he took bread and he gave it to them and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Right? So he got the bread, just like he did at the Last Supper. He got the bread just like he did when they fed the 5,000, when they fed the 4,000, right? This this is becoming commonplace for Jesus and the disciples. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Very interesting that he calls him Simon rather than Peter. Simon was his pre-disciple name, right? Jesus called him Peter. It means rock, rocky. He says, on this church, on this rock, I will build my church, right? And so, so now... Peter's kind of been demoted, right? He's back to his pre-disciple name of Simon. And Jesus asked him, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs, take care of my people. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep, take care of my people. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is a beautiful thing that happens right here. Peter denied Jesus three times and now Jesus gives him three chances to reaffirm his love for Jesus. Do you love me? Yes, take care of my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Take care of my people. And so this is a way to reinstate Peter back into Jesus' following and as as a disciple, as an apostle that's going to be sent out. Then the story continues. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said, follow me. So what Jesus is saying is one day you will be killed for your faith. You will be stretched out on a cross. You will be crucified as as I was crucified. And and tradition has it that Peter was crucified. In fact, he was crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy enough to be crucified right side up just like Jesus. So Jesus is predicting this. And he says to Peter, follow me. And so Peter's at a pretty important crossroads here because that's why he denied Jesus. He was scared to be tortured. He was scared to be arrested. He was scared to die. And now Jesus has given him a chance to be reinstated by saying that he loves him three times and take care of my people three times. And now Jesus takes it up another level. If you do this, if you follow me, you're going to die. Will you follow me? He says, follow me. Right? So Peter has this awesome opportunity to have a Hollywood ending to this, 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 this episode Right, to say, Yes, Lord, I will follow you this time to the death. Yes, I will do that. Right? Roll the, the credits, roll the hallmark in and get out the Kleenex. This could be that moment. But let's see how Peter responds to this. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Again, this is John. This was the one who would lean back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple, John, would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? So what happens here? Jesus says, Peter, if you follow me, you're going to die. Eventually you're going to be a martyr. Follow me. Right? This is the, the moment for the Hollywood ending, the, the Kleenex, all that kind of stuff. What does Peter do? He could have said, yes, Lord, I will follow you to death, and this time I mean it. But he says, what about John? Is he going to die too? Right? He changes the subject. He shifts the attention to one of the other disciples. Right? So he shifts that, that moment. So it seems like Peter's doing so well, but he still missed it by, by just a little bit at this time. Now, to his credit. As we read the scripture, as we see the tradition of church teaching, Peter went on and and he was bold for Jesus. He stood up to the people that killed Jesus. He he preached a sermon on Pentecost and thousands of people believed and the church started. He went and and preached the rest of his life. He eventually was martyred. He was killed for his faith. And so he did exactly what Jesus asked him to do. But in this moment, he can't say that. He says, what about John? Is is he going to have to die too? And so in this moment... I think it reminds us that in our relationship with Jesus, it's not just a one-time yes that we make. It's a yes that we have to make again and again and again throughout our lives. Peter said yes to Jesus, to, to follow him as a disciple, to leave his family, to become a disciple. He said yes to confess the Messiah. He said yes to walk on water. He said yes to go and be with him at the Last Supper in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said yes later to preaching at Pentecost. He said yes, I'm going to stand up to the authorities. Yes, I'm going to allow myself to be crucified. And so, so Peter has all these moments of yes, but he also chose sometimes to say no. And we've covered that and we've seen that. And so it seems to me that saying yes to God is not a one-time thing. It's not just for major events, but it's for, for all the little moments in between. There's an Episcopal priest who says that the Bible kind of starts with a breakup and it ends with a wedding. It starts with a breakup between God and humanity. Adam and Eve get it all messed up, and so humans and God are kind of broken up. And at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, it shows Jesus and the church kind of being married. Not literally married, but metaphorically, uh, figuratively. And so it goes from a breakup to a a, a wedding and to a marriage. And so all in between is this relationship of courting between God and the people, the people of the earth. And I I think following God is is kind of like a marriage. It's not a one-time decision. We have to say, Yes, I'll go on the first day, yes, I'll go on the second day, yes, I'll go on the third day. Yes, I will accept your proposal to be married. Yes, I do, we, we say that at the altar and and then it continues right? Yes, I will love you through sickness and in health. Yes, I will love you through good days and bad. Yes, you do not look fat in that outfit, right? We continue to have to say yes for the rest of our lives. Some of them are big moments and some of them are smaller moments, but what makes a marriage work is that we continue to commit to each other. It's the same thing in our relationship to God. Initially, we say yes, Lord, Come and be my Lord and Savior, Jesus. We have to convert. We have to be born again. We have to give ourselves to Christ, right? We have to receive that, that new life in Jesus. We have to say yes to the waters of baptism. We have to say yes to confirmation. If we're young students who are going and accepting Jesus for the first time ourselves, we have to say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you in a church. Yes, Jesus, I want to serve you in the world. Yes, Jesus, I want to serve you at school and at work and in my neighborhood and in my family. So it's just this, this long life full of opportunities to say yes to God. Brothers and sisters, right now, what is God asking you to say yes to specifically? What is God asking you to say yes to specifically? To commit to right here and right now. As we think about Peter, we think about this story. We think about, well, so what? So what does that mean? So what does that mean for my life? What does it mean for me to go home and think about and wrestle with and talk to my small group about, talk to my family about, you know, so what is the point? As we think about this, I think there's a lot of things we could say, but what I love is that every moment is a proposal. Every moment is a proposal from God where God is, is asking us to do something. Do you love me? Yes. Do you still love me? Yes. Will you serve me? Yes. Will you follow me? Yes. Will you put yourself out of your comfort zone? Yes. Every moment, God is asking us to do something bigger than ourselves, to be a part of something bigger than than who we are. God is asking us to live life to the full and help other people live life to the full. At this moment, will you love Jesus? Will you love Jesus when you're driving home and you wanna blare on the horn and give a lot of road rage to somebody that doesn't deserve it? Will you love Jesus when you go to the restaurant today and and you're talking to a waiter or a waitress who's having a rough day? Will you love Jesus tomorrow when you go to school and you're having a difficult time? Will you love Jesus tomorrow if you go to work and, and God has put something on your heart to do? Will you love God in your neighborhood, in your family, in your house this afternoon, right? What is it? that God is inviting you to say yes to, right? And so as we think about our word of the week, it's obvious the word of the week this week is yes, right? Say yes to God this week. And I think a follow-up word, a supportive word to that is surrender, As we say yes to God, we surrender to God and we pray just like Kevin helped us lead us through the Lord's Prayer where it says in there, not my will be done, God, but your will be done. So when we say yes to God and we surrender, we let go of control, we let go of ego, we let go of pride, we let go of comfort, we let go of security and we say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm in. And sometimes it's awesome and it's amazing and sometimes it will scare the heck out of us and sometimes it will push us out of our comfort zones. At school, at work, at home, in the cul-de-sac, in the neighborhood, in the family, in the house. What is God calling you to say yes to? Is it to have a conversation? Is it to seek a new career? Is it to get involved in one of the wonderful ministries of our church? What is it God's calling you to say yes to? So the takeaway this week that I would challenge you to do is say yes to God this week. Say yes to God. I'm guessing all of us came in here today wrestling with something God wants us to do. Say yes to God this week and see what happens. To follow up on what Kevin said earlier, I think one opportunity that we have a great chance to say yes to is Easter Sunday's coming up. Easter Sunday's coming up and and we can invite the people in our lives who are far from God to come and be a part of it. This is like the Super Bowl for for church. This is not just an ordinary Sunday. This is a chance where people that we know and love and care about who don't really follow God will give God a chance or at least they'll come to church. And so we've got great things planned for Easter Sunday. So I just would challenge you between now and then to, to prayerfully think about who it is in your life that God's putting on your heart to invite them to our church. And, and to say, I'll pick you up. Let's have breakfast. Let's come. I will, I will get you here. Let's sit together. I think you're going to you know, really be moved by what happens here. I want you to come and experience what we're doing. Maybe your yes is to invite someone to church. Or maybe I take a step back and, and maybe your yes today is for you to surrender to Jesus. To say, God, I'm, I'm tired of running from you. I've been putting you off. I I, I do believe in you, and I haven't yet fully surrendered, God. I'm ready to let go of my guilt and my shame. I'm ready to let go of all the junk in my life. I'm I'm ready to start living life to the full and and to have joy and peace and to to make a difference in this life and, and to look forward to eternity with you, God. Maybe your yes right now is giving yourself to Christ. Brothers and sisters, what is God asking you to say yes to right here and right now? When we were down in Haiti this past week, uh, again, we saw things that absolutely broke our hearts. We saw things that brought us a lot of joy and, and hope. Haiti is, is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Only 10% of people in Haiti are employed, so there's not a lot to do. Uh, there's a lot of poverty, it's overwhelming. Uh, there's no infrastructure, there, there's no support, there's, just, there's trash everywhere, there's no zoning. There, it's just, it, it's a crazy place. But in the midst of that, God is at work. And where we stayed was in the northern part of Haiti in a small village called Bayonet. It's in the north and it's out in the rural areas. We had to drive through some scary kind of cities to get there. Uh, but we got there, it's all safe, it's all good, and we're in the mountains there. And, and there's a church there that has a school and that school has 2,000 students. It, it feeds them their only meal most of them will get all day. Some of them walk miles to get there. Some of them ride an old, beat-up, old yellow school bus that used to be in America. And, and in that school, they have hope. We've got a picture here of the pastor. If you can show that first slide. Uh, he's the one in the yellow shirt. His name is Pastor Actionel Florisma, And he came to the United States in the late 1990s to go to college. Smart young man. He could have stayed in the United States and he could have brought his family here and made a comfortable living and, and given them everything that they could ever want. But he felt led to go back to his homeland of Haiti because he and some of his friends and some of his family had a vision that in their village, right, we're living life to the full literally means surviving. That we have some food, we have something to drink, and we have somewhere to stay, right? That is life to the full for, for the average Haitian is simply surviving the day. And so he went back and he's like, we've got, to, we've got to provide this for our community. Government's not going to provide it and they don't provide it. So we've got to provide it. So in, in the years that have transpired since those 1990s, what's happened is they partnered with all kinds of churches across the Charlotte area and in the southeast of the United States. And so they built the church They've built a school that's reaching over 2,000 students, again, providing the only meal these students will have probably that day. Uh, they've also have built uh, a medical clinic there, and Haitians can go and they can get uh, care for a very cheap, very cheap uh, fee, right? They want to have some skin in the game. Whatever they can pay, they can pay it. They need to give a chicken or something, right? That's what they do, and so there's, there's medical presence there. They also now have clean water. It's been provided through Water Mission, our partner, and all that good stuff. And uh, they've had it there for a while, and so they now have clean water for their community. So in the heart of this community, the church, not the government, the church is the lifeline. And so people can be educated, they can have a better chance at finding work, they can have meals, they can have clean water, and they can have medical care, which most of the rest of Haiti does not happen. There's still an incredible need there. And it wouldn't happen if Pastor Actionel had not said yes. Let's look at that second picture. It just shows you some of the poverty of Haiti. I can't imagine the stress that Pastor Actionel has every day that a lot of his church members might not survive the day simply because they don't have enough food or water. All the stress that's involved in running a school and, and a medical clinic and trying to liaise with churches in America. And I'm sure like there's, there's moments every day where he just wants to quit and he wants to, he wants to mail it in and just, you know, let's go to the U.S. I've done everything that I can. I can't do it anymore. But that's not who he is. And so one man and his determination and and his village and his community have come together. And because of that, they've changed their entire community. You should have seen the, the, the church was packed on Sunday with hundreds of people worshiping God. We were there for hours and no one was in any hurry to go anywhere because they're so glad that God is helping them to survive and to live their lives that they couldn't wait to come to church. And it's all because... These Haitian leaders keep saying yes to God every day. Yes, God, we're going to dig in. Yes, we're going to do it. We've got a picture of some of the students in, in Haiti, and, and this is why they do it. Pastor Actionel went with us to a village that he'd never been to. And it's a village that we're going to use some of our money that we raised at Christmas Eve to, to bring clean water in. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But it, it, the, the conditions are so horrible there that he just, he just wept and he was just so upset about it. And he just came back to his congregation and says, we've got to choose to say yes to help these people. Any moment he could walk away, but he kept saying yes and yes and yes and yes. What is God calling you to say yes to, my brothers and sisters? One more person who said yes. His name is Jesus. One day, God the Father, hanging out with the Son and the Holy Spirit. I don't know how all that works up in heaven, but they do their thing. And God said, Jesus, I got a mission for you. The people we created on earth. They're great people. We created them in our image and they can do wonderful things. And sometimes they do amazing things and they love each other and they, they make their world a better place. But sometimes they choose to use their freedom of choice to do wrong things and they hurt each other. And and they bring brokenness called sin into the world. And there's guilt and there's shame and and they've rejected eternal life. And so they're going to die one day and, and, and they're going to spend eternity apart for themselves and each and, and us. And because brokenness, right, that's what the Bible calls hell Right. Jesus, that's not what we intended. And so I got a mission. It's going to be good, but it's going to be hard. I need you to go to the earth. I need you to leave heaven. I need you to go down, become a human being while still remaining God. I need you to teach these people love on these people. And then I'm going to need you to to take all of their guilt and their shame and their death and their hell and all that punishment upon yourself and die on a cross. I'm going to bring you back to life so that they can be forgiven all that and they can have access to life to the full and they can live forever in the kingdom of heaven if, if they choose to accept our gift that you're going to give them through the cross. But you got to know it's not going to be pleasant. It's going to be painful. And, and, and the people that you're coming to love are going to mock you and they're going to make fun of you and they're going to torture you and they're going to they, deny you. They're going to abandon you. They're going to betray you. Some of those closest to you are going to totally turn on you and turn you over But it's going to be worth it because you're going to lead people back to us. What are you going to do? And so, of course, Jesus said yes. And he said yes. And because of that, you and I have this great chance to live life to the full. We have a great chance to to make a difference in our community. Our goal at this church is to be like Pastor Action Hill's church in his community. If his church went away, the community suffers. God called us to be the spiritual crossroads of South Park so that if we're not here, then the community's going to miss something big. Right? And our role here in South Park is not to provide food or water or shelter or clothing. People in South Park have plenty of that. Our role is to provide Jesus. Because so many people in our community are hurting on the inside because they've said no to God for so long, they forget that it's an option. And so God has placed us here. Brothers and sisters, what is God calling you to say yes to? Every moment is a proposal from God. I invite you to open your hearts this week and to say yes to God. And So in the spirit of that, I just would invite you to to get out your communion packet that you were handed when you came in today. If you don't have one just raise your hand we'll get the usher to come and bring you one uh, we're going to use this in just a minute as we remember that last supper that Jesus had with his disciples where he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he gave it to him and said take and eat this is my body which is given for you and then he took a cup of wine and he gave it to them and said take and drink this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many so that you may be forgiven as often as you do this remember me let's pray about that together Gracious and ever-loving God, we thank you that Jesus said yes. We thank you that you said yes, God, and you came to die for us and to come back to life so that we can live life to the full, so that we can replace guilt and shame with joy and peace, God. We can live forever in the kingdom of eternity. We can help other people live life to the full like the people in Haiti. Thank you, God, for the vision that we should be uh, a light to our community, a crossroads, God, where we're as impactful here as Pastor Actionel's church is as impactful in Haiti, God. And so today, we just ask, God, that you would forgive us where we have told you no. And we ask, God, you would give us strength and boldness to say yes to where you were calling us. We ask you would make this wafer, the body of Christ broken for us, and this grape juice, the blood of Christ shed for us. In short, God, we ask that you help us to surrender to you today, God, and invite you into our lives. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 And today, brothers and sisters, to receive this gift of Holy Communion, you don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be a baptized Christian. This is God's gift to us. This little wafer represents Jesus' body, and this grape juice represents the blood of Jesus. And what it really means is when you receive it, you're saying, yes, God, I want you to be in my life. Yes, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Yes, God, I want to serve you. Yes, God, I want to make the world a better place. Yes, God, I want to live life to the full. And I want to help other people do that. And so if that's something that you're striving for, craving for, then join me right now. And let's peel off the top layer of this and know that this is the body of Jesus broken for us. This is the blood of Jesus shed for us. Thanks be to God for this wonderful gift of communion. This concludes our worship service this morning. I just will leave you with the benediction which means the good word, and it's simply this. Every moment is a proposal from God. God is calling each of us to do something this week. Maybe it's small, maybe it's large. Whatever it is, God is calling us to say yes. My invitation to you is to take God up on that offer and say yes. Every moment is a proposal. So brothers and sisters, in the spirit of Christ, in the spirit of our brothers and sisters, in hating the spirit of this church, Say yes to God this week. Have an awesome week in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.